1: Again for the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. This is episode 87 coming at you. I am Charlie Carden, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, joined by uh, one less companion this week. I do have the fantastic uh, Kay Quinn. Say hello.
2: Hello. Sorry for everyone who is like, cool, Kay's going to be gone. It's just going to be Peter. But nope, you're stuck with me.
1: Got it. Yes. (laughs) Peter is uh, stranded on an away mission. His shuttlecraft went down in Kentucky. No, uh, Peter was away there for some ion week.
2: storms, I believe, yes. that's causing some interference on launch.
1: Right. It must be in Ohio because all kinds of things weird happen in Ohio. But at any rate, yeah, Peter was down for uh, visiting some friends over the Thanksgiving weekend, and there he stayed. So it's just going to be us. Um, exciting episode. We have two great. Um, episodes of Star Trek Prodigy to talk about and then we are wrapping up season two of Star Trek Voyager with no pause in between Uh, which is great but before I do that always want to mention Secret Friends Unite is brought to you in part by the good folks over at Manscaped.com get 20% off and free shipping at that website with the code SFU and I'll come back on and chat a little bit more about that later on so as mentioned two episodes of Star Trek Prodigy to talk about, uh, Katie. I did put the long form part in here just for the oh, because I did actually remember to rewatch them today because there's so many- <laughs> oh, I'm really going to have to bullshit my way through this. I didn't watch it, but I totally did. I was <clears throat> really right on top of this. Well, you know, it's the it was it's the holiday weekend, and so I had four days off, and I've also been sick, so I'm glad I'm I'm drinking tea out of my very special Mister Data mug here. <laughs> And I'm um, hoping to keep my voice going, but Katie, why don't you, why don't you do my voice uh, uh, a favor and you can read the first one. So go for it.
2: Yeah. So um, first one we have is a uh, prodigy. This is season one, episode 14, and it's called crossroads. And this is the one where um, after the crew has left the space station that they inadvertently blew up, they figured out there is this deadly super smart virus weapon thing on the protostar so they're trying to figure out how to contact Starfleet without contacting Starfleet. Um, and they end up on a... Uh, kind of, I mean, they go through a whole thing where they're trying to... They're a transportation hub. They end up meeting some Starfleet officers. But antics ensue because nothing can ever be neat and clean. And they end up in the neutral zone.
1: I hate it when that happens. This is our first episode where, um, where the, 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 the two crews... Almost meet. Now, they do end up meeting in the sorts in the next episode that we're going to talk about. But, yeah, we're getting some real Starfleety kind of stuff. We've got Admiral Janeway. And then, obviously, we also have just hologram Janeway all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're getting uh, more more fully fleshed out um, uh, time with Okana and his eye patch, which, you know, I'm sure that's a fun story. Or it's just something – it was probably like a DJ accident. Don't you remember, he's also a DJ – just a couple of years prior to this, on Starbase Whatever, during the that party, that episode of Lower Decks. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I dug this. I thought this is. I thought this was pretty cool. Um, seeing them, seeing them run about and doing their stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, what did you think of the episode?
2: Um, I mean, I I don't generally love the like. Just talk to them. Just explain what's going on. Like that's all you have to do. Just say, "Hey, yeah, actually, like there's a, there's a deadly weapon on the Protoss there that we're trying to stop from getting in st- track with Starfleet. That's why."
1: <laughs> right, direct so, communication. Yeah, there was
2: that one moment where, um, oh, uh, the the rock girl.
1: Uh, rock um, rock, rock is it, It's just rock We'll just call her rock. Yeah,
2: rock. Where she says, "Wait, you all met Starfleet and none of you said anything." <laughs> I was like, I felt it. I felt that in my soul. <laughs> but, oh, my
1: God. Clear, clear, concise communication. Yeah. I mean, look how far it can get you.
2: Exactly. And I want to know what has caused Janeway to become a little bit more of a hard ass. Because the difference between Admiral Janeway and Hologram Janeway and, like, the Captain Janeway that we would get, you know, in Voyager right. are very, very different. Because even when she was talking to Del, she she didn't have that warmth to her that you're used to seeing. So I want to know what. Right.
1: Happened right. Yeah. She's
2: kind of lose that kind of motherly. Right. That, Cause she's always had a hard edge to her, but it just, right. that kind of, is kind of gone.
1: Yeah. W- without a doubt. Um, I mean, you know, so we are about seven, eight years after the end of Voyager. Cause Voyager returned mm-hmm. in the year. So this is the year for, you know, your real, you know, star date. You know, if you throw the star dates out because those are always very finite. But if you just think about it in the Julian calendar, the, the calendar that we follow, cause it's two, it's it's 2022 right now. This is taking place for reference sake in the year 2384. It's one year before the flashback sequences you see in the first season of Picard with the androids on Mars and everything. So it's one year before that, um, and it's about two years after the current season of Lower Decks. Um, And then it would be about five years after we see Janeway as an admiral in delightful Star Trek nemesis that we tore up a couple of episodes. (laughs) Um, So you're right. Sometime in between that, you know, uh, who knows what happened in her life in those five years, obviously not having, you know, Chakotay around, maybe she's really struggling with kind of, Admitting that you know her personal feelings are driving this and it's a little bit more in friendship and, da, 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 mm-hmm. and all the JC shippers, all the JC shippers out there in the world, you know, this is their moment. because um, we still don't know where the hell he is. Because right. everything with the protostar is so ensconced in mystery. And it was funny when we were talking about the show in the first half of the first season, I didn't even really realize that when the kids find the protostar on that. Tars Lamora that far-flung world in the Delta Quadrant it had been sitting there for 20 years yeah so does that mean somebody snagged it dumped Chakotay and his people and then flew into a wormhole ended up in the Delta Quadrant 20 years past I mean it's a real like yeah how did that really come to pass so we're no closer to having any idea where the hell Chakotay is it's um it's the enduring mystery. So, um, yeah, but we get some, we get some good starship back and forth. And this episode contained the clip, um, that we saw obviously back on Star Trek day where they're all on the bridge and wearing are in winter coats and, uh, Murph is, his blastocyst is starting to split and it finally does. And he pops out and he's, you know, now we have the, uh, equivalent of, Grogu or Baby Groot in the Star Trek universe, we have you know the baby Murph running around with arms and legs. A little
2: creepier, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a little bit more you know from old, like that old book from the eighties, like Communion. The, the aliens with the, the big eyeballs is and stuff. It
2: Pikmin. Is that the say it again? Remind, Pikmin. It's reminding me of an old video game, PS two, I think.
1: You I'll you are on it. the wrong you're, you're on the wrong <laughs> show
2: because <laughs> okay. The, that's <laughs> true. You're,
1: that's yeah, you're true. gonna have to have to shoot a DM Doxter, and I bet he could help you out with that. Yeah, but,
2: I think yeah. yeah, Pikmin. He reminds me kind of of a Pikmin, but without the leaf.
1: Right. He ends <laughs> up. Um, he ends up as we get into the next episode having some very convenient new abilities, but we'll we'll talk about that. So, um, but yeah, you, you do see the starship interaction. They the Protostar accidentally fires a torpedo, and then the Dauntless fires back and blows out their third nacelle, which means they can't get to speed. But then they just fly into the neutral zone and. The whole neutral zone thing, and I, Peter would totally back me up if he was here, but the whole neutral zone part of this into the next episode, the next episode is, uh, episode 15 is Masquerade, um, the neutral zone is supposed to be exactly that. Neutral meaning nobody is in there. Yet, just across the neutral zone border at the end of episode 14, there's two Romulan Warbirds. What are they doing there? They're not supposed to be in the okay, zone. That's a, that's so zone. Okay, thank you. That's what a neutral zone is. I'm like,
2: wait, I thought that this... They weren't supposed to be there. I'm like, why is it called the neutral zone if it's just the edge of Romulan space?
1: Yeah, a neutral zone is in more, uh, you know, contemporary military parlance would be a demilitarized zone or place where military uh, vehicles or exercises uh, are not allowed. So, yeah, that... They're borrowing a little bit of, you know, well, the kids won't have any idea about this. But people like us are like, yeah, that's not really what a neutral zone is. Um, more to the point, you know, as we get into episode 15, um, the Protostar, and it says right here in the summary, the Protostar ventures deeper into the neutral zone. And then Janeway has a conversation with Admiral Jellicoe, which is awesome because we knew that was coming. That's mm-hmm. Ronnie Cox's character from the uh, season six TNG 2 "Chain of Command. You know, he's the guy that everybody hates, but he's just a very hard-edged officer who just does stuff different than Picard, which is why nobody liked him. Um, Mm -hmm. So this episode is, I think it's pretty weird. So they go deeper into the neutral zone where they dock at a science station where there shouldn't be anything because they're in the neutral zone. So we got like a real red flag glaring like, okay, they just decided to take Canaan and go, woo!
2: Yeah, because it seems like they're pitching it as... Like the neutral zone is just kind of like a free for all where Romulans in the Federation aren't allowed, but everybody else is.
1: Right, that, which is, which is why I'm calling this episode the neutral whatever zone. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no rules. At all, but yeah. So that's so they dock at a space station uh, here in episode fifteen, which they shouldn't be doing in the neutral zone because there should be there should be nothing. It should be you know sectors of you know empty planets and no ships flying around. It should be this is the buffer between you know. If you follow Star Trek history, there was the Romulan War, which was preceding Enterprise in that time period, and at the end of the Romulan War. Have, humans and Rimelans having never seen each other because there were no view screens, they negotiated over subspace radio. Okay. Well, this portion of space, no one will go in and that's how we'll stay separate. So yeah, I got a real problem with the fact that just like, well, you know, they're in the neutral zone, but whatever. Um, but that's not the weirdest thing going on in episode 15. So they get to the <laughs> space station, they get to the space station, they're talking, you know, they're looking around for, vendors or, you know, junkers that can help them out with the parts to fix their third nacelle, which is like, okay, they can fix an experimental Starfleet drive. Okay. Um,
2: Yeah. Oh, it was just, just a nacelle. And the third nacelle is what actually ran the entire Protostar.
1: That's what (laughs) runs the the slipstream drive because they can still travel regular or whatever. But yeah, it's just very convenient. And of course these kids know how to fix it with no formal training because, you know, it, it works for the show. Yeah. So they very conveniently stumble upon this scientist who, you know, seems like it kind of reminded me of Total Recall. It's like recall, you know, recall. Like, mm-hmm. We can put memories in your head to make it seem like you had a great vacation. Along the same lines, this this scientist who kind of seems like a used car salesman is like, well, I'm scanning you and you're made up of, of all these different races or whatever, but, you know, it was sloppy work, but you've got all these different Recessive Yet again? Are, yeah. Dr.
2: Soon strikes again. <laughs> because what I else know. is it going to be but Dr. Soon?
1: <laughs> and it was the Dr. Soon from Enterprise, which yes. you, may, you probably didn't pick up upon, but it was, yeah, it was Brent Spiner did a three episode stint in the final season of Enterprise as an ancestor. Right, where of,
2: he was more of you, about you know, eugenics than he was right. about um, robotics. And he and was
1: dec- decided, decisively not a good guy. He was the villain no.
2: of those episodes.
1: Um, So anyway, you know, this scientist was like, blah, 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 I can do a thing and fix it. And he's like, well, you know, it's not really why we're here. And then his curiosity gets the better of him. And the scientist, you know, puts a little, you know, uh, basically a breath mint on the back of his head, a little circle dot, which he pushes. (laughs) And then he starts turning into he he starts taking on traits of all these different races or whatever. Um, but in the meantime, you know, the Tal Shiar, the Romulan, the Romulan secret police, they show up. There's a big firefight. Our people are being chased. Um, Janeway is, is not allowed to go into the neutral zone, but she's close enough to fire two photon torpedoes. So this space station is just inside the neutral zone because... Photon torpedoes don't have – you don't fire them, and it's not like in the stupid J.J. Star Trek movie where it was like you can fire one from two sectors away or whatever. So there's all kinds of weird bullshit going on in this episode that I'm just not down with. <laughs> um, because, yeah, then Murph, uh, new Murph, creepy Murph, is like kung fu fighting. He's beat the shit out of these Romulans. They're in an elevator, and they're just the, the Romulans have flying suits, and I just – Katie, I just – I I'm lost.
2: <laughs> I'm glad that it was not just me. Cause I've, the entire thing, like, because with, uh, Dell becoming just a science experiment of all of these different races. And he was, you know, born out of, you know, in a test tube baby type of deal. I was like, okay, right. sure. And then he went and decided to become his best self. And I was like, cool. Now Dal's going to be even more annoying. Love this. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Um, because it took him, like, becoming even more of, like, this weird genetic amalgamation of stuff for him to be like, hmm, maybe everybody was right and I was just being a douche before and I should listen to everyone else. Just maybe. Maybe. Who knows? But, yeah, and I didn't like how um, they just kept telling Janeway that she's being too emotional. And I was like, dude, I'm like, everybody else always would go into the neutral zone with way less reason for this. Like, yeah, do you really want the Romulans to get this, like, experimental tech plus a weapon that can destroy all of Starfleet? I
0: right. think it's Which very they, reasonable
2: yeah. for her to want to go in there, not just because they're like, oh, but you're you're being driven by emotions because of Chakotek. No, she literally knows that this could destroy Starfleet.
1: Well, and it was super dumb that Chikote was like, well, gosh, we're finally at the cusp of being at peace with the Ryman's. So I'm like, no, you are fucking not because they're hanging out in the, in the, in the neutral zone and nobody's addressing it. Right. Um, <laughs> and there's and there's this weird space station, which, OK, I'll give this. I guess I'll give the space station a little bit of slack because just because it's in the neutral zone. Whomever is there may not be Ryumil and may not be Federation. They may just be people, right? So, right. Okay. Well, and
2: there's no it, saying that there aren't warp capable planets within the neutral zone of their own accord. Better not. Nothing not to do, yeah, with anything else. Right. They just exist there and happen to be in the neutral zone.
1: Right, yeah, the whole, you know, there's Romulans on the other side of the border because one of the episodes that we'll talk about in subsequent um, episodes coming up that you, Peter, and I are going to be covering in season three of Next Generation called The Defector, which is one of my absolute favorites, has to do with the Romulan Defector who comes over to the Enterprise to talk about a planned invasion. And there's this big standoff right at the beginning of the episode where a Romulan ship comes right to the edge of the neutral zone and Picard is threatening them and saying, you can't, and then they turn around and run away because... Nobody's supposed to be in the neutral zone. That is absolutely—that's the whole purpose of the neutral zone. So, uh, I don't know if we can say the word neutral zone more, but uh, neutral, zone, neutral, zone, <laughs> neutral zone, neutral zone, neutral zone, neutral um, zone. So yeah. So I would say, and then and there was a bit, there was a big reveal. I, I will give this episode some credit. There was a a nice uh, kind of huge reveal at the end of this where we find out that the Ensign, Ascensia, who is voiced by uh, Jamila Jamil, who was uh, actually interviewed by um, the Grand Petoskey, our chapter's own uh, Kurt Krug. Uh, we didn't get that interview into the latest newsletter, but we're probably going to get that into our next one. I can't we had a great- believe
2: that they got to um, interview Jamil. I... I'm so upset that I was not a part of that
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, no, uh, I mean, is, uh,
2: Rosling yeah. earlier today. I got to interview Tara Rosling earlier today. Shh,
1: don't tell me it's a secret. That's a secret.
2: It you. is a secret on our Patreon when our Patreon launches.
1: Oh, yes, indeed. Ah. No, it'll be a secret to hear it. Plug, plug, plug. (laughs) No, but uh, Kurt is, uh, he's a guy I knew uh, from back in MSU, so I've known him for a long time. But he is a freelance journalist, and he he did a couple of articles for uh, one of the official Star Trek magazines, which he then gifted to us to publish in our newsletter. So that's pretty cool. We published a great one with um, Kate Mulgrew. For our chapter members, which you all received a couple of days ago. so. Um, but you can look for Kurt's work in, I believe it is, I'm going to draw a blank on the name of this. Star Trek, Insider Magazine, or Communicator, whatever the current one is. Um, so anyway, Jamila, J- Jamila's character, Asensia, reveals herself to be another member of the Diviner species. She, she again pushes a button on the back of her head and she transforms into essentially looking just like Gwen, and, you know, tells the Diviner, well, I'm here, I'm here to help you out. I'm, I'm a spy too. Um, so yeah. And she's accompanied by the new, the dreadnought, the, the bad robot. So, uh, so we, we got some stuff coming up, but this was just a, just a very weird transitional couple of episodes for me. Um, yeah. but we're, yeah, we're winding down. We have four episodes left um, between now and the end of the season. So, um, any bold, you know, we're at at like three quarter way through the season predictions. you think that we're going to see in the last four episodes?
2: It just seemed like, I thought this was the season finale. This felt like they were, it was a season finale and they were like crap. We have to load up all of this stuff and like tie up all of these knots and then still leave a cliffhanger. And it just felt really, really rushed. And, like, right. everything should have been, like, uh, it should have been, like, another three or four episodes with everything that was going on.
1: Before they had the big, like, reveal with Asensia well, with, being a Because they
2: did the whole, like, Starfleet with Janeway and the Dauntless and all of that going right. on. And then they had um, Okana in there. I still haven't quite figured out, like, why he was there or what he was doing.
1: And but, he's gone now. And now, he, and now because he's he gone. Stuff.
2: Yeah. And then you had yeah. a whole sub, like them trying to wrap up the sub story with doll and his whole like lost identity. Who? Who am I? What am I? I know. Like,
1: yeah. For all of there life was just five a lot of uh, yeah. a
2: lot of stuff going on that just didn't really right.
1: <laughs> uh oh! Did you? Did, were, were you assaulted? <laughs> oh my goodness! True. What I I was I looked away at the exact wrong minute. What did she do? What did she do? The cat attacked her. <laughs> If you're watching on YouTube. You saw it.
2: Knocked my <laughs> uh, and knocked my headphones off my head because she went to jump over. Oh everything in her little back foot got caught and then yanked my headphones off my head. I'm not,
1: I'm not even going to think about editing that out. Plus that's actually a video. So, but that is, <laughs> this is the, this is the beauty of recording, uh, kind of recording without a net is that you get it. And I say that, and I have no, I have no cat around here to jump on my face. So now I really feel left out. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> Sorry
2: so, about that. that
1: <laughs> that's okay. No, it, yeah, it does seem like the pacing was a little weird for that. <laughs> Um, but with four episodes left, they may have more surprises for us. So I guess we'll find out. But, yeah, I was, I was left kind of flat by, by episode 15. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, let's move it on along uh, into segment two. It's been a long road. We're getting into the end of Star Trek Voyager. But before we do that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, support for Secret Friends Unite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best – in men's below-the-waist grooming, their products, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Never get tired of saying that. I'll say that even after they're not our sponsor anymore because it just rolls right off the tongue. Uh, Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. It's kind of rough because I can't really riff. Like, and I will talk about it, and then he and I will go back and forth. But, oh, well, Katie, just fake it. Uh, I don't have numbers. a lot of
2: family jewels to talk about.
1: <laughs> oh as my far as goodness.
2: my needs go.
1: That's all right. Join over 6 million <laughs> men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SFU at manscaped.com. Now crunch some numbers. I'm feeling good about this math. Katie, 12 million balls. I don't even want to think about it. It's terrifying. Um, but it's just proof that Manscaped has they got the goods. So I'm, I'm personally fond of it. They got it, the goods got, for
2: your goods.
1: The goods for your your goodies. Uh, no, <laughs> when, when when we got the sample kit, uh, it does have the uh, the uh, the weed it's wha- the weed whacker tool, which is for the ears and the nose. I actually used said, for the first time, and then they have the handy main tool, which I just you know kind of trim up the sideburns uh take care of things in in the downstairs and then just just overall kind of up and around and april will kind of clean up the back of my head as well so great stuff i'm thinking about getting one uh for my dad for christmas because i think it's a great prize best one of those i've ever had so i dig it so anyway as i said uh 20 off free worldwide shipping with code sfu at manscaped.com moving on to the last voyage of season two of Star Trek Voyager. Pretty good crop episodes, in my opinion. Uh, But ending with a season finale that I'm going to save this, but back in, 1996 when it first aired. My mother, avid fan of the show, even though I was away at college, we both watched it. She was my uh, trigger person. She always taped them for me and paused out the commercials. God bless my mother. Uh, But she had a really insightful uh, bit to say about the last episode, but I'm going to hang on to that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to hang on to that. But why don't you kick us off uh, with episode 21 of the season?
2: All right. We have uh, 21 was deadlock, and that was um, directed by David Livingston and... um, Written by Brand uh, Brandon Braga and it aired March 18th of 1996, And this is when uh, in attempting to evade the Verdians, a duplicate voyage excuse me. The Videans okay. um, a duplicate voyager is created after it passes through a spatial scission. That is there that say that five times fast. Spatial scission. I, I <laughs>
1: and, and, you, and you and you have to say Videans, write it down on the chalkboard like Bart Simpson. No, just kidding. <laughs> Um we're kind of get we're kind of getting to the end of the road with the Videans cuz we had in the last segment we had the one with the the female Vedian that, that had the romance with the doctor. Yeah. Um and Thar? then I yeah, yeah uh uh, Denara. Denara that was it. Her name? Um and then I don't feel like we had another big Vidian episode even elsewhere in the season. And then they were, they were bigger, you know, at the beginning of the series when they came on, because they had the, the one where they split Blana into her two halves. And then they had, uh, obviously when they were introduced, when they stole Neelix's lung. So this is only like their fourth or fifth appearance. Um, no, and no, that's not true because they make an appearance a little bit later in this segment, but it's, uh, this segment of episodes, but it's smaller, but, um, I dug this because again, yeah, Voyager gets duplicated. Um, but the issue is instead of having two voyagers flying side by side, they're kind of sharing same space at the same time. Everything is duplicated, but the antimatter, which is basically the fuel in the tank, is not. So their situation will will fade in time. And then the Vidians come along and you get to see you get to see everybody on Voyager get killed. Uh, because one of, one of yeah. the, one of the two voyagers has to sacrifice itself. And this was the first occurrence of the silent countdown, which you later see in in First Contact. So he said, blow up the ship and uh, no further audio warnings, which I love that I'm like, oh, it's going to blow up and they're not going to know about it. <laughs> uh, but you, as, as the Vidians are running through this, this second Voyager, you get to see kind of a few crew deaths. They kill poor Enson Wildman, who had her baby. Um, the baby lives on one Voyager, but doesn't on the other one. Uh, on the main Voyager, Harry Kim gets sucked out into space, but at the end of it, the Harry Kim from the other one goes through and takes the baby with him. So that's all nice and neat. But, yeah, the Medians are running through. They kill Kess, They kill Tom Paris. And then Janeway blows the ship up. So there's a lot going on in this episode.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and one of the, yeah, one of the Voyagers goes in really rough shape um, and is nearly destroyed. And then the other right. one is doing, is doing pretty great. It's doing pretty well. Right. No big deal. They're
1: and spotless.
2: Yeah. And so at some point, you know, right. they kind of do like a red herring thing where they the two Janeways meet up and the Janeway of the damaged ship is saying, you know, Oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to blow up the ship. Uh, cause we both can't live at the same time. Cause we're both drawing off the same antimatter and they go, okay, well, sure. If we can't figure out a solution, that's one way to go. And then because of the, the attack, everything kind of swaps. It and it was kind of out. a fun way for them to like do a fake out because there had been talks of Kim leaving the show. <laughs>
1: Oh, see this, I, you know something well, and that that's I got. Uh,
2: before, uh, he was rated like in the Time Magazine's like top 100 or something most handsome men on TV. So they decided to keep him. And that's when sure. they decided to get, because they wanted to get rid of a cast member. Uh, so they decided to keep him. And that's when they got rid of Kess instead. So No, well,
1: well Kess Kes is around for all of season three. It was when they brought on jerry ryan at the beginning of season four that it was like we don't need 10 boop, and they, they right the
2: yeah well and that's the thing they were they had been talking about getting rid of getting rid of a cast member for a little while so i think this right. was part of them starting to play with the idea of like getting rid of him or at least that's my that's my theory to see how people okay. reacted <laughs>
1: right okay so yeah, killing him without it, killing him yeah i mean if you think about it they started um they started TNG with, with nine because they had Tasha Yar Mm -hmm. and they got rid of her. Um, and then, or maybe they had eight and then they had Wesley and eventually he, he didn't die, but he went away. So when you think about TNG, you think of the seven, you know, like the seven that we're going to see come back in Picard season three. And then you had Pulaski come in, but Crusher go out and then they came back again. So seven just kind of, yeah, seven kind of ended up being the number ironically, even though when Kess leaves, um, there's still eight in the cast. So maybe maybe not well, then maybe, maybe that's why she's 7 of 9.
2: Number. It's cuz there were Ooh. nine cast members.
1: Right, exactly. And, oh. and so she's really she's number 8, so she's between 7 and 9. Oh my
0: god.
1: This is <laughs> unbelievable. But it is 1000% yeah. off topic for this episode, yes. which I, I I totally dug. You're right. I it was a, it was a real, you know, Uh, flipping the script, taking the ship that was crippled. And again, you know, you're in the territory of like Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica, which I've talked about in the past, like, okay, well, if the ship has no base, and and they're not able to fix it up, it's just going to continue to look crappier. But Voyager, as I, I mentioned before, Voyager has replicators, as long as they have power, they can produce new parts and keep things clean and whatever. So mm. that's a difference between Battlestar and Star Trek is they have, you know, they can keep fixing shit up because they have energy to and replicators where Battlestar didn't. So that's how, you know, when you get to the next episode, the ship looks just Exactly the same.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's also that flavor of the week thing where, like, there is a brief conversation between Janeway and Harry where he's like, you know, I am like Harry, but I'm also like, this is my ship, but this isn't my ship. I'm like, and then he's going to be fine. This would be an existential crisis that would haunt me for (laughs) for like decades, where I'd be like, I am not the Harry Kim that everybody knows. Like, what was different? Right. Or like the the baby. Like, do they tell this baby? That like no. oh by the way you're from a different spatial anom- anomaly uh-huh, funny story <laughs> about when you were born also can we just say in like what four hundred or four thousand childbirth still hasn't gotten any easier come on right, exactly we can bring what people back I- from the dead if <laughs> you don't know how to transport a baby out of a mother's womb <laughs>
1: they, no that, that is what they did they did that it is what but they there's did in this- oh, but, but it didn't work did yeah there were still after, some issues yeah
2: after there were issues. So, I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. So, why
1: 400 years from now are they still doing the old classic, you know, thing that right. we have done since the dawn time? I totally agree with you. Yeah, you're right. In an, an emergency fetal transport, that should be a regular asset. Right, fetal that should transport. just be There's standard. No doubt about it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Thing oh, my God. Me
2: in an easy way.
1: <laughs> exactly. Man, you know, I never really gave it that much thought because, yeah, that seems so natural. To just do it that way. But and it's funny when they beam the baby out, it's crying when it materializes. I'm like, that's not the way it works. Because I've seen all three of my kids born. They gotta pull it out and go burr, burr, and go you know, <laughs> some just come out crying. Um, yeah. so anyway. Anyway. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. All right, moving on. Episode twenty-two of the season is Innocence. Uh, this was directed by James L. Conway, regular of the series. Story uh by Anthony Williams, a recognized name, but Lisa Clink did the teleplay. She is um becomes a big player later on the show. She's also shown up on uh, Robbie Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong through the Delta Flyers, of which I'm a member of their Patreon. Uh, She's been a guest on where they go episode by episode and and talk about their recollections. And she's been a guest a bunch of times, so I definitely recognize the name. Um, And I think she might still be involved in the franchise Currently, I'd have to do some research on that, but I feel like I heard that. But at any rate, uh, from April of 1996, uh, Tuvok crash lands on a moon and finds children who have been abandoned in a society that is the Benjamin Button Society, because th- th- you know, th- the trick at the end is that, um, and I don't remember the name of the species, um, but they had these weird veils. That's yeah. like, that's their alien thing. Uh, oh, we, we, They didn't put any makeup on us, but we got a veil.
2: Yeah. Um, they ran short on nose uh, prosthetics that day.
1: Yeah, there there was a run on Bajorans over on the Voyager set. So that's yep. where all the noses went.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, I remember. And again, this was um, my sophomore year at MSU. So Axtra and I were in the dorms watching this. And of course he's, you know, you, you know, he always takes things so seriously. Always so ragging on this, it.
2: Yep.
1: Always, right. Yeah, he hates God. It would be it would be nails on a chalkboard if we brought him into one of these with us. Oh, he would hate it. He first of all he never agreed to it, but he would it would be torture for him. But at any rate, um, so yeah, Tuvok crashes and the shuttle is not super damaged, but there's another crew person with him, an ensign who dies, and uh, then he stumbles upon these kids who just they don't remember anything, and uh, he's like, well, I'll help you out, blah blah blah. And you see Tuvok with kids, it's like you know. Uh, what the hell was that movie with Eddie Murphy, Daddy Day? It was like Daddy Day. Oh,
0: Daddy,
2: yeah.
1: It was day to care with Vulcan. So, yeah, he's chasing these kids around because they're being obnoxious kids or whatever. But in the meanwhile, Janeway is talking to the, you know, Veil vale people saying, well, our you know we had a shuttle that crashed. And they're like, you can't go down there. No way. No how. If we figure you know, we'll figure it out and we'll let you know. And they're like, well, you know, Janeway's is like, well, you know, she's kind of jerking us around. And we got to find out what happened to our people. Turns out in the final analysis, uh, this moon is where these people who age in reverse, so they're they're, you know, born super old and then they age until, you know, basically a, a tween age or seven to ten year old when you consider in in human terms. And then they just kind of disappear. Um, and it's weird because the kids don't remember because apparently all the kids have dementia, except at the end, the little girl says, oh, you really, she says, two-back, you really remind me of my grandson. So it's like, oh, you very conveniently... Now remember what your deal is. Would have been great information yesterday. Right, get <laughs> this whole deal off. Um, so yeah, Tubac is struggling against time to get them out of there. There's the absolute worst shuttlecraft takeoff I've ever seen in special effects. Is in sets over. <laughs> it was it's like, not great. I, I swear to God, it was like it was like one of my models, and you put some fishware on top of it, and you had like a fishing pole appear and you were like, "That's <laughs> yeah. so bad." I just I remember. I remember thinking that back in 1996 when I first saw it, and then I was absolutely blessed with it, and I watched this about a week ago. So, oh, my God. Yeah, it was bad stuff. So, um, overall, as an episode, um, I think it really embraced your kind of regular Trekness. You know, you took Mm -hmm. a a situation that kind of isn't what it seems, an alien race, and, you know, it's incumbent upon Starfleet to respect their culture, but also, you know, it comes into clash with, with Janeway, wanting to protect your people. And then, you know, Tuvok jumped into conclusions because he doesn't have all the facts wanting to protect these children. So a lot of Starfleeting at play yeah. with this. Um, that, you know, if it was Enterprise, because it was funny, in Enterprise, it, it wasn't really traditional Starfleet. And this was really reflected in, let's say, the first episode of that series, uh, where they just, you know, even to Paul, chews out Trip Tucker, says, well, you know, humans always jump to conclusions because he was... You know, he saw an alien doing something that he thought was off kilter, and uh, and she yelled at him for you know <laughs> don't jump to conclusions. So this was kind of the you know jump to conclusions, Matt of the uh, of the episode it was Tuvok assuming that these people wanted to kill all these kids when in fact it was you know a, a ceremony to honor the end of their life and they just go poof anyway.
2: Yeah, so. well, and I think yeah, it did, so I kind it of helped. It yeah, and it was really great to see Tuvok kind of in this situation because you know he talks about he's got two daughters, I think is it. so seeing him kind of in that fatherly role. Um, yeah. Really helped, you know, um, vulcanize it, humanize him, but in a Vulcan way.
1: <laughs> vulcanize like like tires.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: we could put some tires on that shuttlecraft. Maybe that takeoff would look a little more. Maybe rip. it would
2: be a lot smoother. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, well, I did love the whole like weird Benjamin Button type of.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. d- it was
2: a little strange, um, but I did I did like the the in between of watching Tuvok and you know sassy Tuvok, and just. <laughs>
0: Right. Oh my every
2: goodness. time he's like i do not convey emotion and i'm like watch that eyebrow you watch that eyebrow yeah. and tell me you don't convey emotion everybody
1: gets annoyed by children it's so super duper normal <laughs> try, try not to get annoyed by kids of that age i dare you oh it's you
2: just can't not, it's physically it's impossible
1: just, it's, it's just not possible oh my goodness so um all right moving on next one is yours
2: all right. Um, next one, we have uh, The Thaw, which was directed by Marvin E. Rush. Um, story by Richard Gaddis and teleplay by Joe Minos- Minoski. Um, and aired April 29th of 96. And uh, this is the crew finds aliens mentally connected to a computer that has created a being that feeds on their fear. Ooh. Um, and this one, I, I love it and I hate it. Not just because <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, that's so scary. But I'm like, this just... Like, it's not scary. It's annoying. (laughs) It's like, it's like a clown circus, but not really. And they're all just kind of laughing. And I'm like, this seems like it's like if a drunk five-year-old described the Joker from Batman (laughs) and then, like, interpreted it. It just, he's not really scary. The only thing scary would be that he would, you know, behead people. He had a guillotine. That part is scary.
1: And the, the clown, of course, is played by veteran character actor Michael McKean, who is, of
0: course,
1: he was either Lenny or Squiggy in *Laverne and Shirley*. I think he was Squiggy. No, he was Lenny. I don't know. He was the tall mm-hmm. one, um, and he's been in a million billion other things. So there's n- there's no way that you don't know him. But yeah, you're right. It was, um, and it was almost along the lines of what is always referred to in classic track production as a bottle show because Mm -hmm. they had the one set that basically looked like a one act play from a community college theater. It was like a couple of risers and they had like a fuchsia wall in the background. And then there was a, you know, like the set pieces were all very like, Oh, okay. It's, you know, it's theater of the mind so it can look like whatever. Um, but, um, you know, it was it was a very Star trek kind of premise. The ship's flying along and they're like, we got this distress call or something uh, from this planet. And it's, you know, it's 20 years old. And they do a little investigation and they find out, you know, the five people who are alive on this outpost or whatever, put themselves into this weird sus- suspended animation where the computer could keep their brains alive. But then there was a weirdo anomaly and it turned into Michael McKean and they were supposed to wake up, I think, five years prior to the episode, and they didn't because Michael McKean is keeping them in there and scaring the shit out of them. Um, And so, you know, I think B'Elanna and Harry go in there. They get trapped. Uh, Michael McKean lets Belana go. He's like, I'm going to keep Harry. He's my hostage or whatever. then he kills one of the other people who's already in there to prove his point. And then Janeway does the most Kirk- bullshit ever she talks a computer to death it's awesome uh, because you know one of the convenient you know plot devices is that well when somebody jacks into the system or they, they plug into the system the computer you know isn't aware of them for like first five minutes and so she's able to fake out putting herself in the computer and then he lets harry and the other ones go and then the clown is then it's just sad clown and sad janeway oh
2: Right. Yeah. And I mean, and I did, I did really like the, that ending part of like kind of the philosophical discussion of what is fear? How do you conquer fear? What is like, what are the uses of fear and why do we have it? What is it? What is the driving, you know, motivations? And so that stuff was really good. And especially with Janeway, because she has such a strong... Kind of tied to it, as far as they're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> There's a lot to right. be anxious and fearful of because they're constantly meeting new races. They're constantly meeting new, you know, obstacles to overcome, and she has to keep her fear in check. And so I thought it was a really great, like, kind of you know, kind of back and forth that they had. But yeah, the the set pieces, I was like, come on, this is
0: <laughs>
2: like, like this isn't scary for me. Like, get some big damn spiders that. That would right. freak me the fuck out, but you know what? No, some weird dude right? dressed in gray. Not that. Not going to really it was, do it for it me.
1: <laughs> it was a it was a great example of a pre CGI, nineties budget sci fi. Yes, thing it
2: very much you know? was. It
1: was it was it wasn't just practical effects. It was like it was no. It was all makeup effects because yeah, yeah, you had you you had a big guy wearing a mask, and then you had you had a a, a, a person of diminutive stature. I can never what. I can never get the expression right. What is it?
2: Um, Someone, I am not that? entirely sure.
1: <laughs> I know that it is not midget. That is a slur in common parlance. I, I believe it might be a dwarf, but you know what I'm talking about. They mm-hmm. had a person of that stature and they had a bunch of other shit going on. And it was just, it reminded me of that like courtroom scene from Encounter at Farpoint where they had all the post-atomic horror people and the uh, guys ratty and the guy had like a broken umbrella. It was just like weird looking shit. Yes. So that was really what they were going for, but anyway, like the concept, but it was very, it was very bargain based. with that.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Oh my goodness. All the right. So moving on.
2: Lesser execution. <laughs> yeah, so
1: see, yeah. Exactly. There's kind of a B, maybe a solid B for effort, but an execution, maybe like a maybe like a C minus. Yeah. But anyway, moving along. One of the most controversial episodes, certainly of the season, and the one that has launched a and million possibly of meetings, Star Trek. Really very true, yeah. So we're going to spend a little bit more time on this when I get the feeling because, again, uh, this is an episode that does, I think, what Star Trek does best, which Mm -hmm. makes us put ourselves in the shoes of the decision maker of someone having to make an impossible decision. But at any rate, uh, episode 24 of the season is Tuvix, uh, directed by Cliff Boll, again, standard of the series, Story by Andrew Shepard Price and Mark Gaberman, not names I'm familiar with. So Potentially a uh, from the spec slush uh, spec slush script pile, which that was something that Paramount did back in the 90s. They send them a script. If they read it, they liked it, and you're just Joe Blow. They might make your episode. I don't think that's something they do anymore. But yeah, that mm-hmm. was how a lot a lot of people launched their writing careers by doing that kind of stuff. Tell play by Ken Biller, who's a regular part of the writing staff from May of nineteen ninety six. A transporter accident merges Tuvok and Neelix into a new person. Wow, and the actor who played Tuvix, its on the tip of my tongue. Character actor who's been in a ton of stuff. The thing I remember him the most from is Seinfeld, which I know I made a Seinfeld reference um, a couple of Tom episodes ago. Peter, Tom Wright. There you go. I made a reference, and you and Peter were just crickets. I'm usually like, Young people. Um, Katie, I mean, you're—I I don't even really know how to get started. So, by all means.
2: Um. I'm going to say I would have gone with Janeway. I think Janeway made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, because, you know, it, essentially as the episode plays out, um, because, you know, Tuvok and Elex are part of an away team. They're down on a planet gathering, uh, flower, you know, uh, biological samples. Uh, when the transporter beams them up, it blends them together into a sentient, normal person.
2: And also the worried. flower. They were blended and with the, the orchid. Right. We never. At orchid <laughs> again. So my question is, does that mean that Tuvok and Neelix now have orchid DNA?
1: No, they separated them. So yeah, what happened to the orchid DNA? Well, what happened to the orchid? The <laughs> yeah. Yes, inquiring minds want to know. But um, and it's funny when they get beamed up, their their outfits are a combination. So it's Neelix's outfit, but it has Starfleet coloring on it. So it's just a real blend. But
2: like with Listen, like little spirals and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. At least it wasn't like Jeff Goldblum's The Fly, where it turned him into a big.
2: He you know, didn't,
1: didn't mutate and turn into like a big Neelix monster. But this Tuvix is, you know, he really takes on the best qualities of of both characters as the episode goes on he's uh he's reinstated uh, as a tactical officer so he changes into a normal uniform he's still helping out in the kitchen um you know Janeway's like well you know i've known Tuvix for, Tuvok forever but there's something about Tuvix you know he he'll uh, he'll speak his mind a little bit more he'll, he'll act on a hunch and he's just you know in some ways he's in some ways he's a superior you know part of this crew more so you know don't sell out your you know your old dead friend um uh, but all the while the doctor is obviously he's searching for a way um to obviously get our friends back. And it takes some time and you get to the, you know, the bottom half of the episode and he's like, well, you know, the doctor said I discovered this dye or whatever that I can inject you with. And then we can separate stuff. And you know what, maybe behind them when it separates them, maybe the flower appeared on the bio bit behind them.
0: Maybe
1: <laughs> we, we, should probably, we should probably dig in and find out. But at that moment, Tuvik says, I don't want to die. Um and you know he had been forging this relationship with Kess again and they, you know, it reestablished our friendship and it looked like it was kind of leaning that direction. But even Kess was like, No, I really want Neelix back and I'm thinking Katie's thinking, No, no, it's your time to get away.
2: You know, in all fairness though, like I didn't like it because you say, you know, he got the best of both, but I would say he still had some of Neelix's manipulative qualities when it came to Cass because he approached her and was like, Hey, by the way, I love you. And she was like, okay. I mean, luckily he was respectful and was like, that's cool. I, I know you probably don't feel the same way, which obviously, but then after um, Janeway was like, dude, you can't like kill two people just because you want to survive. This is kind of a remix of the trolley problem. And, Mm he goes to Cass and says, Hey Cass, you need to advocate for, I know that I'm like the weird ghost remembrance of your dead boyfriend, but you need to be the one <laughs> to tell Janeway that right. I need to live yeah. and he needs to not stay cool. dead or stay non-existent.
1: Yeah, really. You're right. Cause they were not, it wasn't like, there, there he is on the bio bed. He's dead. It was, um, you know, a case of just they he just ceased to exist. So yeah, that was, um, Yeah, Janeway totally made the right decision. There's no doubt about it. Um, Because, you know, he said, well, it's not, you know, he's alive, and he's got rights or whatever. Well, so do the guys that you, you know, are that that, that they, they miss you into, you know, why do they have less rights than you just because they're not here to advocate for themselves. You can't ask them if they want to live.
2: Right. And Janeway makes that point because he's like, I'm here now advocating for myself. She's like, right. When I have to advocate for them. And he says, well, they're living on through me. And I'm like, well, wouldn't that be the same for you? Then like every argument he was making, you could then turn around and say, well, that's the same thing that they would be doing as far as you, you know, quote unquote, living on or however that would go. And also it was not very Starfleet of him.
1: Right. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So you get the feeling that that was more... That would have been coming from Neelix because you don't think Tuvok would behave that way. I don't know. I mean, I have
2: seen Star... And I think that's the part that bugged me is because, like, Neelix has put himself in danger for the crew on several occasions at this point. And Janeway flat out says, like, I know that Neelix or Tuvok would put their life on the line and would, you know, die if it meant saving other crew members. And why can't... like so. I think she flat out, you know, kinda asked him, like, I don't know where this is coming from. And he's like, Well, I'm not Tubic, into those people.
1: And Tubic, yeah, Tubix was just like, fuck him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it <was basically>, essentially. <laughs>
1: it was basically his attitude, which yeah, which just is totally sucks. So yeah, and this is again, you know, this episode lives on in absolute infamy in almost every other you know, Star Trek shit posting Facebook group where that you see or on Twitter or mm-hmm. probably on Instagram as well, even though I'm not. And then, and I know
2: that um, Kate has asked about it like all the time too of like, Oh, well, do you think that right. Janeway made the right choice? And Oh, well, and I, it's like, I think it was, you know, one of those impossible situations where right. yes, she shouldn't, you know, in theory, it would have been great if they could have figured out a way to make all of them, you know, all three of them be able to survive right. and thrive. And that would have been great. But, you know, this was once again, a transporter accident.
0: <laughs> right,
1: exactly you know and it's not it, it's not exactly similar to what you saw in the um the next generation episode uh, in season 6 second chances where you know riker was duplicated in uh, by a transporter accident several right. years prior and then they meet the duplicate and um you know they're not going to be like well he's they're not going to shoot him he's essentially right. but it's not at all the same situation so you know it was a tough decision but again it reinforces why janeway is um, she's tough, she's moral, and even like any human being, she struggles in the face of a difficult situation, but ultimately does does the right thing. I just really yeah. think she's the greatest. And again, once we get to the season finale, I will I will reveal to you what my <laughs> beloved mother, <laughs> uh, Kathleen Haran uh, Plackmeyer, who does not listen to this show, had to say about J.W.'s decision in that episode. Um, but before we do that, we're going to touch upon uh, an episode that is... That, that actually ended up in my top five, which is a, a segment that we cool. may do in time for the show. Um, but yeah, let me tackle this. No, 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 sorry. This one's yours to read. So All
2: right. Ahead. So we have um, Resolutions, which was directed by Alex Sing- um, Alexander Singer and uh, written by Jerry Taylor. And this aired May 13th of 96. And this is when uh, Janeway and Chakotay must adapt to life quarantined on the planet after they contract an, incurable disease. Meanwhile, the Voyager crew risks their lives to seek out a possible cure from the the, now, I, now I'm scared to say it.
1: <laughs> Give it a shot. V-
2: Yay! V- Got
1: it! That's <laughs> awesome.
2: Bidians. There we go. Bidians. For some reason I um, put an R in there and there's no R. <laughs> the,
1: what, well, you called them something that I was... I called them Viridians.
0: Do you
2: know Which I don't even know what that
1: I'll is. T- is. I d- I'll tell you what it is. That's the name of the planet in Generations, where the final when Kurt comes back, they're on Veridian Three. When the with the maybe the, that's the maybe that's where is. I've
2: heard Viridian at some point. Somehow in the
1: back of your brain. Somehow
2: I've heard that. I don't know, folks, but um, so, I I really really enjoyed. It. I can see why this episode would be in your top five. It's just it's a oh, really yeah. like I want to say it's a fun episode, but it is just genuinely you get to see what. Yeah, well, you get to see what Voyager does best, which is the emotional pull of the crew. Because you have Janeway and Chakotay trying to figure out, you know, and you're introduced with them already have contracted the disease. The uh, doctor's been working on trying to find a cure for weeks. They don't really know what's causing it, but they know if they leave the planet, they will die because something in the atmosphere is keeping the virus at bay.
1: Naturally, and let's not
2: let's not forget that it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: let's also remember that it makes about zero sense that Janeway and Chakotay were on an away mission alone on a planet and both got bitten by a bug.
2: Well, Well, uh, you know what? Maybe maybe they're the only ones who, yeah, who got bit. Maybe there were other people there, but it does It still doesn't make sense that you have your captain and your number one in an away mission.
1: Right, which because strictly speaking, it's. Totally right. against we, we modern know, Star Trek. Star, yeah, Star Trek
2: would have not have let that happen. Absolutely. Exactly.
1: Not. Well, just remember all the times that Riker didn't let Picard go on away missions because it's Starfleet protocol in the right. 21st century to not let that happen. So, right. but I digress.
2: Yes. So, I mean, they did this very clearly because they wanted to be able to do that. You know, Jane Way Chakotay ship a little bit, and right. you know, I think it kind of cemented it in my in in my personal canon that there was a little something more going on with those two when no, watching this episode. I believe Because oh, yeah. there's even a point where, like, is like, oh, let me rub your back because, you know, she's been doing all this hard work all day. And she's like, mm. and they, they're like, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the elephant, the, the sexual tension elephant in the room.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, can't believe, I can't believe in that uh, Quonset hut structure that they built that you could fit an elephant in there, but it, it was-
2: Somehow they did. And it was a very large <laughs> elephant.
1: <laughs> I know. It didn't move much. So um, I will say on a personal note, like in my life, without a doubt, I've had that unrequited love with someone. Maybe I'm with someone and, you know, I'm the kind of person that, you know, th- there's a quote uh, from a show that I love that says, Hey, I haven't met a woman I haven't fallen in love with for 10 years or 10 minutes. I <laughs> fall in love with people. I, you know, I love, I, 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 you love love. Love with I love love. I, I, it's easy for me to fall in love with people. You know, it's, it's, As it, 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 I've never had a situation like this, obviously. Where you've been um,
2: trapped in a deserted planet with your captain.
1: <laughs> I mean, doesn't that, I mean, I know it happens to a lot of people, uh, but, I the, but I am the captain. So, you know, it, it would be April and I getting caught on a desert plane together, but we're already married. So where's the, where's the sexual tension there? There's no sexual tension. Um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting because it's so early in the show that, first of all, I'm absolutely convinced that when they pulled away with that last act that they totally got down that night. There's no doubt about it to me. That's that's what I'm gonna say, um, but uh, you know it was so early in the show they managed to squash their shit and it never came up again. So they're like Riker and Troy because Riker mm-hmm. and Troy never got together again until they got married in that last film, which was you know ten years after the end of the show. Um, so they managed to just still be friends somehow. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, and Chakotay and, and Janeway pull it off, but I think things that were set in motion in this episode are probably what's resonating even in Pranchi right now, why Janeway's being so gruff and grumble, is because the man she loves is lost in space. Um, I don't know. I, I think they did it well. I think that the B-plot of Tuvok taking over as captain, he never promotes himself or changes his uniform. He's just like, I'm still Lieutenant Tuvok running the ship. Do-do-do-do-do. Right, he and he reversed known.
2: himself even as, uh, like... They're pulling away and there's, you know, in all kind of matter of fact, really no way that they're going to be able to get back to them without something dramatic happening, which obviously it does. Um, He still is referring to himself as acting captain because he refuses to take on the mantle of captain.
1: Right, exactly. So, really, and even though, you know, Harry Kim gets himself in some hot water saying, hey, you know, we got to do this. And he gets, well, he's like duty. low key
2: planning a mutiny. Yeah. And then you
1: know, tu, tu- Tuvok tells him, he's like, you know what, if you don't chill your shit out, you're 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 done for good. Um, but in the end, you know, Tuvok says, you know, you know, I, I love his speech and I always love his. However, I, th- that's always my, what I remember about Tuvok. He'll say a bunch of stuff and he goes, However, blah, 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 blah. He says, Mm -hmm. you know, he says a great, he says a great line. He says, none of you know the burden of command until that responsibility rests squarely on your shoulders. However, um, he does finally (laughs) agree because, because they do, you know, find a plan and they end up connecting with Dinara Pell, who is the Vidian, who was, the, the Doc's, you know, Earthworld girlfriend, and they they conveniently find a cure, and then they go back and rescue him, and then Ch- Janeway and Chakotay just kind of go back to business as usual, but I totally think they did it. I'm just, I'm <laughs> going on record. They totally uh, made the beast with two backs That's all I'm going to say, but it's, again, it's one of my favorite episodes simply because the, um, just watching what they go through as they get close together and then realizing they they never can be. It's very, it's very classic in literature. I mean, Katie, help me. I'm, I'm floating for what's a story. Ethan, uh, yeah, Ethan Frome or one of those uh, stories where it's, you know, unrequited love or forbidden love. Help me out here. Give me something.
2: Uh, the, mm, I mean, Romeo <laughs> and Juliet is probably the most classic.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I don't really like that parallel, but anyway, um, add us on Twitter at the C3 or at, uh, Qt geek, let us know how bad we are at literature, uh, and we will take our <laughs> licks. We will take our licks over that one. Okay, it's time to wrap up season two, and I'm still holding back that great quote from my mother. Um, but no, we're we're kicking into our first. This is our first cliffhanger uh, of the series. Uh, this is episode twenty six. is basics part one, uh, directed by Winrich. Colby, again, a stalwart of the series, Michael Piller, who's one of the main writers, put this together from May of 96, Uh, Seska and the Kazan Nistrum take control of Voyager and maroon its crew on a primitive planet. Without further ado, no, I'll hold it on until the end. Um, (laughs) So, you know, the, the, the whole crux of this, you know, came from earlier in the season when Chakotay uh, you know, uh, you know, Seska obviously left and she's part of the Nistrum and she's trying to steal technology and, uh, Chakotay sacrifices or uh, ostensibly sacrifices himself to get captured so he can destroy the whatever. And then she drugs him, takes his DNA, uh, with obviously the great medical technology that the Kazon has. She's able to implant herself with her DNA or that's what she says. Cause she's a manipulative, you know what? Um, that she's implanted herself with her child. And so this episode kicks off with, again, a garbled transmission. Oh, Chakotay, the baby was born. And um, the Kazon dude, Akala, saw that it wasn't his. And he's going to kill us both. Blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into, well, should we go rescue the kid? Because it could get us all killed. But blah, blah, blah. And Seska's awful. And we don't really know if she's telling the truth.
2: She's not. She's never telling the truth. It's Seska. We've had two seasons of Seska. When is she ever telling the truth?
1: (laughs) Seska is every shitty girlfriend or boyfriend anyone has ever had in your entire life. In your brain, just code them Seska. They don't need to have a real name. They're just Seska. Yes. So my my ex-wife, Seska, my first ex-wife, Seska,
0: (laughs) basically, uh,
1: you know, my, you know, I won't say that about my girlfriend from college. She was a lovely girl, but you know, uh, you know, this other girlfriend I had in college, Seska. um, (laughs) But at any rate, yeah. So they go through this whole rigmarole where they're, they're getting deeper into Nistrum territory because they're going to, they're going to find the ship that Seska's on. They're going to rescue the two of them. And the, no big surprise, the whole thing is a fake out. You know, they, they they go through weeks of attacks and they keep shooting this one part of the ship that makes it impossible with that when the ship is finally defeated, they can't do the self-destruct because that part is destroyed. So that was obviously very calculated. And the Nistrum captures and they it captures everybody and they board the ship. They they hurt all the bridge officers into the middle and one of the most startling things, Janeway stands up and says, Kala, I think we should talk about what happens now. And he backhands the shit out of her, sprawling onto the deck. Yikes. Mm-hmm. That was a little more violent than you would have expected. Um, so anyway, they, they take the crew, and they, yeah, they're like, we're going to fight this. And, and amazingly, all these Kazon, who, of course, their entire fleet is stolen from the trade. We covered that in a previous episode know how to repair Voyager and then operate it. Yeah. But, but don't know how to make a replicator. So they dump everybody on this planet and then they fly away to which point my mother says, what the hell did she do any of that for?
2: <laughs>
1: and my mom is, a, she was a very big fan of Catherine Janeway. In fact, Todd gave her the nick- nickname Captain Kate. Cause my mother's name is Kathleen. Um, after this point, my mother never felt the same about the character of Catherine Janeway. She was like, I don't, I could have say she called her a stupid bitch, but it was something of that
2: nature. It, well, and the thing is, is that this, this episode really did not do her justice. I mean, besides the whole, yeah. like kind of the trope of the kicking the dog to prove that he's bad. Like the yeah. Kazon Nystrom like goes on this monologue about how like they need to keep their women in line and blah, blah, blah. After he backhands done. Jen- and like, we, okay, we all know he's a misogynist. Also, why is it's it disgusting. that, like, I feel like every race that they meet that's, like, the bad guy race is somehow misogynistic in some way, shape, or form. Like, get creative. Because it's, it's,
1: <laughs> it's, 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 it's easy and lazy to go to that direction. Right,
2: and that's <laughs> the thing. It was just very, very <clears throat> lazy writing in that aspect, yeah. and it just felt like um, Janeway wasn't very creative, because like, yeah, they were shooting at the ship, and it seemed like they were shooting at a weird kind of random part of it, but why would she have even gone in there? Like, I, I don't think even with Chakotay, you know, quote unquote, son, because we still actually know for sure that it is right. his kid. Like, I don't think she, she wouldn't have been like, no, we're not going over there. What, what the hell? Absolutely right.
1: not. <laughs> exactly correct. Yeah. So it's just, it's so dumb. Their whole mission is let's put everybody's life at risk to maybe save this kid who just might be Chakotay's son, where before... Chakotay left the ship and said, don't rescue me because I'm sacrificing myself because Seska is my fault. Yet now let's take everybody, and put everybody's lives at a risk and ultimately they lose Right. for pretty much the same reason. So that is why for me, this is the ultimate super duper failure. And this is, this to me is one of the worst episodes of the series. It's just so dumb conceptually, not necessarily in, in acting or, special effects or what i just the whole concept of it is totally stupid yeah um and and just you know the fact that tom paris escapes at the last minute so you think, what and so it's easy to figure out that well i'll take a shuttle and go back and there's a talaxian county and then come help us out or whatever and uh you could tell like okay well that's what's going to happen in part two and that's how they're going to get rich you just everything right. about this was extremely painfully obvious there was no there was no mystery there was no stakes I mean, yes, it's a season finale, but oh god, how are they going you knew exactly how it was gonna be resolved.
2: Right. You know yeah, there wasn't any question about that, you know, as far as you know what's gonna happen.
1: You're right, exactly. So yeah, so I thought this was this was a real dud of a finale because yeah, it was like, oh god, they lost their ship, what's gonna happen? It was like
2: oh. Well and this was also their first interaction with the Kazan since finding out that the trabe had basically redlined an entire species into right. like, you know, the slums of a planet. And after the whole, like, Janeway trying to, you know, barter with them and create a pact with them and all of the betrayals of the trade, none of that is ever addressed. Like, why wouldn't she come to be like, hey, listen, I get where you're coming from. I'm so sorry that we were treating you with hostility when you're just trying to survive after, like, you know, generations of, you know, forced genocide and slavery of your people, which was not okay.
0: Right. Like, I, don't, exactly. I don't
2: know, maybe maybe addressing some of that might have helped. I'm not saying that it would have, but maybe.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what? It, it, at this point, it couldn't have hurt. But the thing that right. really couldn't have hurt is just to not get yourself in the situation in the first place. Exactly. It would have been like, oh, this baby's going to get, you know what? Seska, she fucked around and found out. Right, so that's exactly.
2: Her deal. Like, <laughs> this is her kid. This Deuces. Just because it's got Chakotay's DNA, it doesn't mean it's his child. Maybe.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, yeah it's maybe has his DNA.
2: It, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So, okay. Let's sum up these, this group of episodes. Let's have a, a favorite and one that sucks. Go with the favorite, go for it.
2: Um, I would say probably, I think that probably going to be the same because yeah, resolutions so. was my favorite. And then basics part one was probably my least favorite
1: nailed it exactly yeah. yeah just you know and what's i mean obviously it's an evolution of the show that their cliffhangers get better season mm-hmm. three cliffhanger is the the two-parter with the boy that gives the seven of nine at the end and then uh there was no cliffhanger in season four or excuse me in season Season four and five, I don't think there was, but in season six, they had the one with the Equinox, which was the other Starfleet crew, but yeah. they were bad. Um, and then in season seven, they had another Borg one where at the end of it, Janeway and Butchum got Borgified because they had a plan to destroy it from within. So the, the, the two <laughs> The cliffhangers definitely got better, but, yeah, this was a was a total. Yeah, this was weak sauce. <laughs> total, yeah, the total weak sauce. So, all right, well, with the end of that, that is the end of Star Trek Voyager Season 2. We're going to be moving on uh, in the next episode when Peter joins us again to Season 3 of Star Trek The Next Generation, arguably when the show 100% took a turn for the better and I think became pretty exceptional. So I'm very excited to talk about that. But, Katie, take us out.
2: Yeah, for more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grant Petoskey on Facebook and Twitter.
1: All right. And uh, Katie, where do people find you out there on the socials?
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter at Q underscore Geek, or you can find me on counter social at Kay Quinn.
1: I got to finally get around to checking that out. I'm still <laughs> on Twitter until they go... <laughs> Uh, You can find me at the C3, spell it out. Uh, My lovely wife, April, and I run the USS Grand Petoskey, which Katie is a member. She's one of our very talented photographer, media people, et cetera. Uh, But we're based here in West Michigan. We're part of Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. Uh, If you have interest in learning about what we do, you may have seen our pictures uh, on the social medias. We just uh, attended the Grand Rapids Comic Con, did a great fundraiser for charity. Very excited about that. Love to have you on board. Visit our website of the same name and get in touch with us. We would love to have you. So, with, uh, without a doubt, uh, as always, friends, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.
2: And wherever you go, go boldly.
0: This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more.